Hello, and welcome to Living It Radio. I'm Kelly DiNardo, here with Amy Pierce Hayden. We are the authors of Living the Sutras, a guide to yoga wisdom beyond the mat. Through our book and this podcast, we aim to make the principles of yoga alive, active, accessible, and personal. On this podcast, we go deeper into the topics we address in the book by talking to compelling people who can help us live an inspired, connected, joyful life. Today we are joined by Mari Andrew, an author, illustrator, and speaker who shares her work daily on Instagram at ByMariAndrew. Mari began drawing as a form of self-expression after a season of grief and loss and has since inspired over one million devoted fans. Through her art, writing, and speaking, she discusses the power of uncertainty, sensitivity, setbacks, and finding small joys all around us. In this interview, we talk to Mari about art and writing as self-study, trying on different identities, and how we use self-reflection to understand our true nature. Hi, Mari. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy to have you on the podcast. Hello, Kelly. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. So we're going to just start from the top, and I was hoping that you could tell us how you started drawing, how all of your wonderful Instagram collection and then your book kind of came to be. Yeah, great question. Um, (laughs) That's a very long answer. I'll try to condense it. Um, So illustration is very new for me. Um, I don't really consider it the beginning of my career as a writer because I've always, um, I've always written since I was really young, little, since I could talk basically. Um, always making little books and writing letters and cards and journaling a lot. Um, and I began sharing my work, um, when I was, 23, I just graduated college and I moved to South America and I was very much a fish out of water, um, living in Santiago with no friends and um, I didn't speak Spanish at all. So I, I really devoted myself to writing there and I kept a blog um, and I started really getting into the practice and the discipline of writing and also writing as a means of processing my life and, um, healing parts of my life and working through, um, my first breakup and living in this foreign country and, um, feeling lonely and feeling excited. And I, I came to rely on writing as a way to do that. Um, so that was always a part of my life. Not many people read the blog. That's the difference between <laughs> the blogging and Instagram. Um, Instagram came later, and it's kind of an anomaly in my creative story. I don't consider myself an artist even now. Um, to me, it's sort of, sort of an extension of the writing that I've always really loved to do as a way to get to know myself better and um, process and heal and hopefully, um, through the sharing with others, be able to connect with others as well. So, um, started drawing a couple of years ago as a personal experiment, but I've always been, um, writing in order to, um, 
to process, to understand myself. It's kind of the quest of my life to really understand all of the corners of my soul and who I really am. And um, I started drawing as a kind of new way to do that. Um, I was dealing with grief. I was dealing with a breakup. I was dealing with a late 20s slump. Um, feeling very directionless. And I thought, all right, I'm going to try this new thing I've never done before. Um, and that helped me be able to really share my work for the first time. People were, were responding to my drawings in a way that they hadn't really been responding to my writing. And um, once I got going on that, then I was able to write the book that I've always wanted to write. So I'm very grateful for the platform of Instagram and social media. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a very thought, right? Who would have thought? thought? I mean, for all the poo pooing that we talk about, it's a great way to, you know, Instagram can't reject you. So if you're getting rejected a lot, if a lot of people aren't responding to what you're doing, I don't know, start an Instagram account, I guess. (laughs) Speaking of self-study, how or why do you think your art was giving you more clarity than your writing? Is that that's what I'm hearing you saying? Is that right? You know, it wasn't. It was just a very new thing, and I think whenever you're in a rock bottom place, doing something totally new is the way to go because you're not ever going to be the same person you were before hitting that place. So to kind of learn about a new part of yourself, I think is a very healing thing to do. And that's what I did. And I happened to kind of um, hit this, um, this zeitgeist that was going on, which was um, a sort of interest in illustration. I think that was very trendy a couple of years ago, um, especially on Instagram. It's kind of a new way for artists to show their work. Um, again, I'm not an artist, so I didn't even think about that, but um, I just happened to sort of catch this wave. And then also, I think that um, it was it became cool for the first time to be vulnerable and um, honest and, you know, real talk um, in a way that I don't think we'd ever really experienced. I hadn't in my lifetime experienced that. And so I just, I think I kind of happened to catch a wave that was going on. Um, And so my writing had always been very honest and, um, you know, personal confessional essays, but they weren't trendy. (laughs) It wasn't trendy to read. Um, I started drawing when it was trendy. And uh, so I, I just kind of hit that. It was a, it was a mix of, uh, discipline and personal, um, personal goal. And, um, and then, you know, just what was, what was going on at the time, what people were responding to. Yeah, exactly. What people were responding to. There's a real interplay though, between your writing and your drawings and your art. Do you like, is one sort of the processing part and the other, the you know, the results of your inner reflection or how do they, how do they work together? I, I think of, um, the writing and art is kind of the same thing. Um, it's all just me trying to figure out what is going on (laughs) with myself, um, and what's going on with others as well. I love talking to people and I've always been really observant. So, um, I, I guess I, to me, it feels kind of like the same thing. It's um, 
you know, looking around at the world or looking at myself, looking at my emotional state and thinking, how can I express this in a way that feels joyful and feels um, like it could connect to other people? When I was writing a lot, you have to be so disciplined to write. And I you do with art too, but it's very different. I feel like art is so immediate and when I was going through this period of grief and heartache, which is when I, um, when I started my account, um, I was not really in the mood to write because <laughs> it was really taxing. Um, drawing was a lot more immediate. And so um, that's, I still kind of think of it that way is, is a very quick way to express something that's going on as opposed to a more, um, you know, thoughtful and edited essay. The art I make is not edited in the least bit, not at all. So there's a lot of spelling errors. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe that's the art. Right. That's the art. (laughs) Plot twist. (laughs) Well, you, for, for the listeners, I imagine they'll already know your art if they're listening, but if they, if they don't, you know, you've got these great little vignettes of moments that I think of are like a bubble in our head, like on the old cartoon, you know, like the little bubble (laughs) above somebody's head. And there's this just little thought. And then there's this next little thought. And one thing I noticed in, in your book, Am I There Yet? Was the kind of two sides of a coin thing that you're always playing out, like what it looks like on the outside, what it feels like on the inside, what my boyfriend feels like, like this, and what my, what's really going on. And you, you pose or you take this perspective a lot of um, projection versus reality. I think. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit about how you use your art um, in life like that to gain a better perspective? Is that does it work like that for you? Yeah, it's um, it's just I think that that sort of internal narration and processing has always been such a fundamental part of my personality. The way I think that it is for a lot of people who are. Writers, you know, I think we're always um, narrating in our head, always kind of, you know, there's some, there's what you say, and then there's what you're thinking. And um, for me, that's always been pretty clear that 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 I had this internal monologue. And what's so fun about making art and making writing the way I do very personal is that I get to actually write that stuff out, which is great. And so I'm, I've always been aware that other people have had that as well. And, you know, what's going on on the outside isn't always the reality of the situation or the reality of people's feelings. And um, I do love bringing that stuff to the surface because for so long before I really had a place to express my thoughts, it was just all internal. And that's, that's a pretty big burden, you know, between me and my journals. So now I have people to listen, which is, of course, um, like a dream for a creative person. Well, and I think you give people, especially young people, permission to know that they can have those things happening at the same time. Mm, they can I hope so. show up one way and sort of have this totally other thing happening inside. So, Mari, what are some of your other, or, or do you have, maybe it's the better question, do you have other self-study practices or ways that you reflect I, yeah, I, ha- I feel like that's all I have. <laughs> so, many, <laughs> so many reflection hobbies. It's like, oh my gosh, you stop introspecting. Um, yeah, I have a lot of ways to get to know myself because um, that's what I had to do for a long time. I didn't, I wasn't a very social kid um, or teenager or in my early 20s, I spent a lot of time by myself. 
Um, so I think that I've always used different hobbies of mine to kind of um, get to know myself in the world better and to process what I'm going through. So um, dance has always been a really big part of my life. Um, I think dance is such a really special way to um, express emotion in a in a different way than you do publicly. I mean, I don't really dance in front of people, so it's all for <laughs> me. Um, that's a big one. I love traveling and especially traveling by myself. And that is a way, I think probably the best way um, that you can really get to know yourself in a different, totally different context. And, you know, having your comfort stripped away, I think is so, um, so informative. Um, and then I, uh, now I'm very social. I didn't used to be, but now I am. And I, I have a very robust community and I love, um, conversations with people. And I think probably the through line of all of my friendships is, um, someone who I look for people who are open books and I look for people who are very, um, interesting conversationalists and can, um, give me another perspective and love kind of processing life as much as I do. So that's probably what I spend the most of my time, most of my time doing as well as, um, I live alone and I love cooking by myself and reading and, um, trying to learn different ways to make art, um, that I'm never going to show it to the public. I think it's so important to have some of that stuff for yourself. So yeah, Be more I, private. Totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. So is, is yoga a part of that? I know in the interest of full disclosure to our <laughs> listeners, <laughs> I, I knew, I know Mary, Mari from uh, way back in the day um, when you lived in DC, you practiced at past tense, which is how we first met. So I know you practice, but how does that play into this idea of self-reflection or, or does it not? It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I relied on yoga very heavily during this year of grieving that I experienced when I was also um, starting to draw for the first time in earnest. And um, I spent a lot of time by myself that year. And um, I felt like people around me couldn't really understand what I was going through. So I decided just to turn inward and going to my yoga studio, which was down the street, which was such a gift, um, was a way to be around people and not have to talk to them. <laughs> and um, I would use that hour to be with people and engage and smile and, um, you know, have people recognize me, but not have to really talk about how I was doing. And um, one of my goals was to get really physically strong during that year. And I thought that that would help me become emotionally strong. And I think it did. Um, I remember setting so many goals for myself um, in yoga and just believing that I could do things that I never thought I'd be able to do. That felt really important for me as well. Um, and I still go probably every day. Um, I try to every day. And it's, it's such a part of my life that I sort of forget. <laughs> I sort of forget that it's even like a, a hobby because it's just such a um, routine for me. And I found that um, at this point in my life, I, 
I make a lot of art and writing that I think um, I hope helps people feel seen. And mm. when they do feel that way, sometimes they'll come to me for advice or more insight. And I don't really feel like I have the tools to do that all the time. And I certainly need to be replenished. Um, and I've really found that yoga teachers for me are that sort of cornerstone of when I'm feeling a little depleted or I'm feeling like, wait, I don't, I don't actually have any advice. I don't really have the tools to help other people. I go to yoga teachers um, and I just feel so seen and held by the best ones. And then I feel like I am kind of recharged to be able to go back out and help people myself. So um, it's been a big part of my life in a lot of ways. And I'm so grateful to have that. Can you talk a little bit about how you've been using your art and your writing um, to support your grieving process? I know you've talked about grief a little bit and, uh, and you write a lot about resilience too in your book and how those two might come together and what that year was about for you? Yeah. Um, I don't know that the, that I, I knew, I don't, it wasn't conscious at the time, I should say. Mm. Um, I wasn't explicitly looking to art to help me through the grieving process. Mm. Um, I think that it certainly was interwoven, you know, into um, what I talked about. But I think I was just looking to art and writing as a way to um, really connect with what makes me happy. And um, now that I, I see that people, you know, people always appreciate when anyone is honest about what they're going through because it can feel like sort of um, a life raft when you're feeling so isolated and um, not really sure what's even going on in your own emotional landscape. And um, so the times that I have talked about um, grieving and heartbreak and illness and loneliness and moving and all the stuff that um, I've been through and everyone goes through, um, I think that, you know, that is a tool to help people feel seen. And so for me, it's not so much like I'm sitting down to process my own grief um, myself. It's more of a way to connect to other people who might be going through the same thing. And I think that's how creativity becomes an act of service, you know, to, um, to be able to show people that they're not alone. I think that's kind of the highest purpose of art um, and writing. So that's, that's something that I'm conscious of, especially having uh, more of a platform now than I used to when I started out. And being able to use it, having it and being able to use it. Yeah. So How let's did, come back to this thing on, on resilience for a minute. What what does it actually mean to you, right? I mean, it's not like we want to – well, I'm just going to leave it at that and not answer the question for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can answer. I'd love to hear your answer. Um, I, I think resilience is sort of a – it's like an internal scaffolding that's really strong. So I remember thinking um, when I was um, really in my, in my darkest moments of grief, um, I remember thinking, I've got to really build up this house, this like internal house so that it is 
um, you know, resilient to future storms and to the storm I'm going through now. And um, I welcome storms as a part of life, absolutely. But when I think of resilience, it's having just a very strong, built up soul. And I think you can do that in so many different ways, but it really comes down to um, how connected you feel to other people. And again, that can come in so many ways. Um, and how connected you feel to your own sources of joy. So when I was um, going through that grief, I really had to think about what actually makes me happy because I sort of couldn't remember. And I had to think about um, what are the daily practices I can do to like really build myself up and really feel strong in who I am so I'm not so wavering when things happen. Um, and I think that resilience is something that everyone should start working on while they're happy. It's sort of like, um, I think of making like an emergency um, bag, like if you have a fire or something and, and you have to have your stuff, you know, squared away before, uh, before something like that happens. And um, so I think of resilience as something that can start long before that, before you go through anything really truly earth shattering. And then when it does, you'll have this um, really supported, um, you know, emotional network to draw from when you really need it. Um, so that's kind of how I think about it now. But it took, you know, it took really hitting rock bottom for me to figure that out. And now it's something I actively work on. It sounds like you're putting backup energy in the bank. Like yeah, you've got your exactly. reserve. Yeah. It's very so what is your so what are those reserves for you? Is it what are you doing? Yeah. Those daily practices you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, you know for me, community is the biggest thing. So I um I think that a lot of us sort of assume, or at least I did, <laughs> um sort of assume that if you really love your friends, you're just going to naturally spend time with them, naturally make them feel loved, naturally feel loved by them. And I've learned that it's really something you have to work on. Like if you want good friends, you have to be a really good friend. And I I try to, um, you know, once a month in my calendar, write down the people I want to see, write down the people I want to reach out to, think about what my friends are going through and how I can support them in my own way. And we all have different love languages. We're not going to all naturally show up for each other the way that we would love to. Um, it's something you really have to work on. And so for me, um, keeping my community very healthy and strong is my number one priority um, and then my number two priority is just keeping myself um, joyful. So putting things um, throughout the week that I know are going to make me feel really full and really vibrant and really strong. So for me, that's dance class, that's yoga, that's art, although now I it's, it's a little different because it's my job, but, um, you know, different kinds of art that I don't get paid for and um, spending time listening to podcasts, you know, in the bathtub and all those things that I love to do, you actually kind of have to schedule those things or they don't necessarily happen. So I try to be really disciplined about my joy as much as I am anything else. Yeah, that's, I love that. Disciplined about your joy. Now we're going to take a quick break from our chat with Mari to give a shout out to our show partners. Shambhala Publications is the proud publisher of our book, Living the Sutras, a guide to yoga wisdom beyond the mat, as well as accessible yoga 
Poses and Practices for Everybody by Jivana Heyman. As a listener of our show, you get 30% off your purchase with the code SVADIYAYA30 at Shambhala.com. That's S-V-A-D-H-A-Y-A-Y-A, all caps on SVADIYAYA. Support for Living It is also brought to you by Alchemy Forever, a clean and clinical skincare line developed by Switzerland's top dermatologist. The products are anti-aging, paraben-free, gluten-free, cruelty-free, and ideal for all skin types. Use the code SUTRA20, all caps again on SUTRA, to get 20% off your Alchemy Forever products on alchemy-forever.com. And now, back to our conversation with Mari. So you write about life seasons in, in Am I There That Yet? So tell us what they are. What are life seasons? Um, I write, yeah, I write a, a lot about seasons. I'm kind of obsessed with, with seasons. <laughs> I always have been. I've always been very, very um, into different weather patterns and um, the way that seasons feel. And um, I could talk about life seasons in a couple different ways. Um, I think a lot about how we're sort of, conditioned to um, see life in this kind of um, like linear process of getting to a certain place. So, you know, the, the boxes checked off as you get to certain milestones. And um, I thought a lot about when I was in my 20s, the way that um, if you had something really great to put on as a Facebook status, like I got this great new job or I got engaged. That feels like such a, um, such a relief to put it out there. And then you're kind of done. You're like done with life. Like, okay, I got it. I'm finally, I'm finally, you know, got this and I'm good to go. I'm a success. Um, but life is really a lot more seasonal than that. So, you know, there's seasons of feeling really great about your job and there's seasons of not feeling so great and there's seasons of being unemployed. And um, these are all just sort of temporary states and joy, like sustained joy is temporary and grief is temporary. And um, so to move in sort of a, um, to move through life in a way of, um, periods of time and, um, seeing everything as a sort of passing moment rather than something that can be tackled or accomplished, um, really works for me <laughs> as a way to think about it. Um, and I'll very often say I'm in a season of abundance or I'm in a season of scarcity and keeping in mind that it is very temporary. Um, I also like to think about you know, these times of life as literal seasons. I think of summer as very social and abundant and powerful and overwhelming. And then winter is a time when things quiet down, but, um, you know, everything's still growing underneath. And um, so I like thinking about life as um, just a series of all of this and not really something that you, you don't one day just become a success. Um, that's been something that's been a little confusing for me as my career has taken off and I'm really grateful for it, but it's not done. You know, it's like I get a lot of um, lovely messages of congratulating me and I, 
but I'm still living my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, I still have to, um, I, it's still a series of seasons. It's not like it ends once you get a book deal and then you're just set. <laughs> That's not really how it works. So wouldn't that be easy. Wouldn't that yeah, be right? easy? Yeah. <laughs> It's like a misconception I'm going to blame Sex and the City on. I there think. you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you talk about seasons two saying they shouldn't be skipped. And obviously, if we think about real seasons, I'd love to skip my winter season, but I can't. You, you got to go through it. You yeah. got to go through it. So how do you avoid skipping your seasons you don't want to be in? Oh, man. <laughs> it's uh, I think that you have to be really aware of what it's going to do to your soul, both to try to skip it or to really stay in it. Mm. Um, I've so often tried to rush out of certain times of life, um, tried to rush toward the healed state or tried to rush toward the completion of something. And that was very detrimental to me. Um, And there are moments when I really thought, okay, I can't, I can't just get over this. Um, I'm going to have to really sit in this. And I know that I'm going to be a better and more compassionate and more informed and stronger person when I get out. Um, The times when I really do sit in it, of course, you know, that's how you transform. But does it feel like it in the moment? Absolutely not. So you have to be really conscious of what you're doing and um, how you're moving through it. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. One of the other big through lines through the book is travel and through your art and writing generally. And I love that you compare or talk about how there's no map for adulthood and that there should be. So elaborate for us a little bit about what you mean by that. And then I'd love to hear from you about what your map would look like. Yeah. Well, in my 20s, I was living in D.C., which is um, a very career-focused city, and that was really challenging for me because I was not a career-focused person. (laughs) Um, I've always loved writing. Like I said, I've always really enjoyed being creative, and those were my values, but they didn't necessarily um, result in a career, not until very recently. And I felt like, you know, I was sort of given this map of if you love something, you should get a job in it or, um, you know, these kind of steps to become a success, like you date someone and then you get married and, um, you make friends and then you have the sex in the city, um, perfect friend group. And it just seems like things weren't really going the way that I saw them (laughs) on TV. Um, and, I was also surrounded by people who were really killing it in their careers. And I just thought, what is happening to me? I feel like I'm doing the things I really love and I have a, um, a job, even if it's not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And why isn't this life worth something? Why, why is it so hard to feel like I'm really a valuable adult? Um, just because I don't have like, my dream job or my dream man, or, um, you know, I'm feeling confused a lot of the time, but I'm still prioritizing the things that I really value, like my heart and my, um, my creativity and all of that. Um, so I think the idea of, you know, making your own map is 
finding your metrics of success and what actually looks like what what's a successful life to you. Um, it's usually, I think, a more nuanced life. Um, there might not be as many grand announcements when you live a life that's really focused on um, the metrics of what you think is successful. Um, you can't really, you know, if you really prioritize um, daily interactions with strangers or kind moments or um, being a really good friend to someone or being a really good friend to yourself. It's not necessarily things that you can make a big announcement about, but um, I think it's a a softer and lovelier life. And um, I think carving your own way um, based on your own personal values is I think that's the I think that's the way to go. So that's what I mean. And maybe by that. a little more circuitous than circuitous, the linear life we're, sure. yeah, that we're talking about earlier. For sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelly yeah. and I were talking yesterday a little bit in preparation for this about, you know, just how social media has changed so many things and given you probably this very specific at least platform now or direction in your career. And how she and I being just a little bit older than you, you know, we, th- we, we're kind of don't, we haven't had to make announcements on Facebook. There was no Facebook. I didn't have, I didn't have internet in high school mm-hmm. or in college, you know, like we mm-hmm. weren't in college, I guess, internet, but you know, we weren't in this place where you would make announcements or have to think about sort of marking things in such a maybe big way. And I think there's some pressure on the younger generations and the millennials, and then there there was for us to do things in a certain kind of order, or keep up with the masses. And I think so much of that, I mean, we all struggle with identity. Think about when we're teenagers, we're trying on different hair colors and clothes and is different today than it was before. And and how did you have to navigate figuring out, you know, our true, your true identity? How do we get to that? That social media made it more difficult? Difficult. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, yeah, I think any, (laughs) you know, any new thing, uh, any new type of technology is going to pose a lot of challenges. And also, you know, of course, um, I think it's made the world so much better in so many ways. But um, yeah, to have to kind of show what your life is looking like to other people when you're in your most tender time of life is really hard. Thank God I didn't have it. Um, I didn't have social media in high school or most of college. Um, I would have I would have died. And I didn't have Instagram until uh, my late 20s. Thank God. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think when you're when you're trying to figure out who you are, and you also have to show where you who you are. Yeah, that's really hard. But and why do you have to show who you are? That's a very interesting statement for me. Because your friends are doing it. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Um, It's Pressure, pressure. Yeah, you're thinking about the way that you're perceived and the way that you're presenting yourself. I mean, you have to do that with or without social media, but it certainly puts a little more pressure on it. Just a more public version. Yeah, of it. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, how do you? How does one, and then maybe how do you sort through the different identities we're trying on and get to the one that's the true reflection of who we are? I think it goes back to seasons. I mean, I've always really loved fashion and 
I always felt like I had to come up with my style, you know, like I had to find, am I going to be the person who dresses like a French person? Am I going to um, dress like, you know, the bohemian hippie that I used to fancy myself with caftans and scarves? Or am I going to be like more tomboy? Like what's, what's my style going to be? And then I realized, oh God, I, I want to have a different style every day. And um, I think that you're obviously going to be, if you're at all, you know, interested in your own self and um, who you are, that's going to change all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's super fun. I think most of the challenges that, um, you know, we face as we grow up are, are challenges you can either lean into or um, panic about. And so, of course, sometimes I, I have these panics of who am I and um, am I living an authentic life? But if you sort of lean into the change and the shifts and, well, yeah, I'm, I have a new friend group now. Of course, my identity, my identity is going to feel really different because I value different things. Or, oh, well, I just went on a trip to Spain. So, you know, that's going to influence how I how I see myself, you know, the music I'm listening to. And um, maybe my values have changed a little bit um, from that, too. So, yeah, I think um, to see it as sort of a ever shifting and exciting thing to, you know, never really know quite who you are. I think that's, you know, that's the fun of life. Well, so much, too, with your travel and um, taking these different venues is what you're exposed to seems to be shaping you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So has there been a time where your art or your writing has surprised you of what's come out and given you some kind of uh, insight? Yeah, insight or a greater perspective on who you are that you didn't expect to have revealed? Oh, that's a nice question. Um, no, I <laughs> no, I wish that sounds great. It's all so immediate. It's just sort of um a way to kind of get out my thoughts. And um I think sometimes it it surprises me what I really enjoy. I um I think I've always been quite tapped into my emotional state. Um and I think people who are more emotional and sensitive tend to be a little more melancholy um, or at least don't see that as a bad thing. You know, I don't, I've never seen negative emotions as a negative thing. I see them as something to work through, something that can um, shed a lot of insight. And I guess sometimes it surprises me how much fun I have talking about more negative emotions. Um, some Sometimes my happiest uh, like the happiest work that I've ever made, meaning that I'm really happy while I'm making it is like about the saddest stuff. Um, and it's so funny, you know, now that I, um, I share more frequently, I have, um, people who have, who have like texted me after I posted something really sad and said, are you okay? And I think I'm the happiest I've ever been. Like I just had such a great creative session and really enjoyed um, thinking about this particular emotion, even though it's not a very positive one. And so I think it, it surprises me um, that I can be kind of dissonant to my own, to my own art. And that makes 
that's, I think that's really healthy for me because I can get a little bit too lost in my emotions. So if I'm able to kind of take a step back and, um, see it as, as maybe a more objective thing, that's, I think that's very healthy for my, my processing. Well, it's, it's like it's come out. So even if a negative totally. emotion has come out, you're honoring it and that feels good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So how do you use self-reflection to get to your true identity? Oh, um, <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I don't, I don't really know how I get to my true identity. I, or do you think there maybe there isn't a true identity for you? It's like in a constant state of change. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we could think about identity in so many different ways. Um, right now I'm really focused on my values. So, um, Self-reflection for me is thinking about um, what is really important for me. And um, I think what it's come down to is um, the things that other people can't see are the things that are most important to me. And um, I think through really studying... um, where I'm feeling most in sync with my mission and my own happiness. Um, Usually that's something that cannot really be quantified by, you know, Instagram followers or even getting a book deal. It's um, like the the best part of writing a book to me was the writing part. And that's the part that people don't see. (laughs) It's, um, you know, they see the publicity and stuff like that. So um, I think reflecting on what what I'm actually enjoying um, gets to the heart of what my values are and what I want to do more of and what I want to do less of. (laughs) So all of that seems like important going forward. Yeah. And maybe it's that our values are a reflection of our identity, right? Totally. Absolutely. And I think that's something we learn to arrive at, you know, where we don't, our values when we're teenagers are very different, you know, than they are in our twenties and our thirties and making that adjustment to kind of like you said earlier, Mari, to live authentically. Yeah, for sure. I think authentic living cannot be static and it can't mm-hmm. be um, resolved and it can't really be concluded. It's not like... It can't be I, named. It can't be named, exactly. Mm. You can't say, well, I'm a dancer now, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a lot more fluid than that. Yeah. So we ask a, a similar variation of the same question for all of our guests and... Um, it comes out of what we were trying to achieve with our book and then the podcasts. And so, as you know, the subtitle of Living the Sutras is A Guide to Yoga Wisdom Beyond the Mat. So what we want to do is give people really accessible and personal and tangible practices to help them. So what, and we've talked a lot about practices here, like art and writing and yoga and dance and travel. So what practice is the one that really helps you get to the nitty gritty of self-study and self-reflection? I think the, the practice of honesty, being really honest with yourself and with others, I think that's sort of the key of uh, integrity, you know, um, getting quiet and um, looking within and um, 
trying to have a really real talk <laughs> conversation with yourself um, and then expressing that however, um, you know, whatever situation might arise, whether you're an artist and you want to make authentic work or whether you um, are having a conversation with a friend that's um, hard. I think people always respect um, honesty and I think um, I think it's 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 a way to really get to know yourself so that you can be a better like a better global citizen and uh, and live with your with your integrity and um, you know what's really um, how to you know live in a more aligned way um, a way that aligns your feelings and your thoughts and your values um, I think it all comes back to really honest chats with yourself and so maybe how you have them or how they manifest whether it's art or dance or writing that doesn't matter it's, it's yeah. what's actually yeah I love that thank you well, Mari, thank you so much. We have loved having you on. Oh, and, thank you. Um, we will be sure to let folks know where they can find you on, on Instagram and on your website, um, in our show notes and all of that good stuff. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Living It. For those of you who want to find out about Mari and where she's speaking, visit buymariandrew.com. You can find links to this, as well as more information about the resources we discussed in this episode, in the show notes, or at our website, livingitpodcast.com. And remember, listeners get 30% off accessible yoga at shambhala.com with the code svadiyaya 30 and 20% off at Alchemy Forever with the code SUTRA20. Thank you for tuning in. We are so excited to keep doing this. Please share the podcast with your friends. Message us on Instagram at Kelly Donardo and at Amy Pierce Hayden. Email us through our website, livingitpodcast.com. Subscribe in iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep the podcast going. Thanks for listening.